Welcome to Who You Calling Crazy. This is a unique mental health podcast. We are erasing the stigma and elevating and normalizing dialogue around mental health. Of course, we'll be sharing practical therapy tips, but most importantly, we'll be diving into the stories and vulnerability of people you know or want to know. I'm your host, Juliette Cunley. Nisha Pai. I own a small accounting firm here in Charlotte, North Carolina, Pi CPA. But my bigger purpose and mission in life comes off of a book I just published in January 2022 called Overcoming Ordinary Obstacles. And in fact, I just had a session with my speaking coach earlier about how to take this book and get it out in the world through keynote speaking and through my podcast and everything. So I'm an accountant by trade, but something bigger by purpose. I love that. It's, it's so important that we note like what we do for our job is not who we are. Right. Most often. Right. I mean, yes, it can be a calling and that sort of thing, but not totally over attaching to what I do in my day to day. So I love to hear how you put that. Tell me a little bit. Yeah. And it's also like a vehicle, right? Like your job, your career, your vocation is a vehicle Mm -hmm. for you to spread love and Mm -hmm. give light and help people towards their greatness. Yes. So tell me about the book. So my book, Overcoming Ordinary Obstacles, is about my journey as a first-generation Indian woman born and raised in the South in a time in the 70s. So just a very interesting journey because I laugh because a lot of first gens in my generation were screwed up. confused. We're called confused daisies in the Indian culture. And, you know, I had a lot of challenges growing up, you know, I was neither here nor there. Right. And so writing the book was very therapeutic for me because not only did it give me permission to be like, Hey, it was okay that I struggled with my identity as I should have, right. Like normalcy and what those struggles did to shape me as a person Mm -hmm. and how I got through where I am up until today. Sure. So tell me about the confusion, how you guys reference it in the culture. And it's this kind of caught in between. So I don't fit in here. I don't fit in there. Yeah. I'm confused about who I am, how to find myself. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I think I spent the greater part of my life defining that because I wasn't fully Indian. I was rejected by Indians for being too white. Mm -hmm. And then I wasn't white. So in East Tennessee, I was different. I wasn't the stereotypical, beautiful Southern blonde making the cheerleading squad, right? I was short and brown and, you know, my parents were Hindu. So we were different. Mm -hmm. We were different. And what I found in writing my book is that you don't have to just be brown and Hindu to feel different. You don't have to be black, white, yellow, purple. We all at some point feel like we don't fit in. And that is what I'm finding with other people. Like it's all a journey for us to feel like, where do we fit in and how do we fit in? Sure. And it's okay. The journey is okay. Right. You don't have to like put yourself in a box. Yes. And I finally got to a point where I'm like, I don't have to define myself as I'm, I'm Indian or I'm American or I'm Brown or I'm white. I don't have to define myself in any of those boxes. I can be my own box. 
it's hard to find that permission as an adolescent, especially. Oh, a hundred percent. The labels. Yeah, I, we love labels, don't we? We love labels. I grew up with a lot of anger inside of me, angry mm-hmm. towards my mom, angry towards my dad, angry, you know, dad, why didn't we land in New York city where there's a bigger Indian population or my mom, who was a very traditional stereotypical subservient Indian wife. And, you know, I was, I had, I carry a lot of anger throughout sure. my life. And it wasn't until recently, and I'm 50 years old, in my recent years that I let go of that anger. And that was Mm. because I came into my faith journey, but I didn't realize how much anger I held on to. How did it manifest? Was it, you know, depressive symptoms? It manifested in a lot of rebellion. The two biggest manifestations I've never talked about publicly, I, I touch on it a little bit in my book, was a nervous emotional breakdown I had six years ago. And it was the culmination of, I had a divorce 16, 17 years ago. So yeah, I had gotten divorced, which was taboo in the culture. I had married a white man, which was already taboo. I got divorced. I had no support for my family and I had started a business. So five, six years ago, I ended up having an emotional breakdown and Mm -hmm. It was the culmination of everything that I had been carrying all these years. And you know this as a therapist, like if you stuff, 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 stuff down, eventually it's going to explode. It has to. And six years ago, it's a moment in my life that I will take with me all the way to the end of my life that I regret. And so six years ago, the way that manifested is I um, just... I had an, I don't know how to explain it, but just I had an mm-hmm. out of body experience. Mm-hmm. And for about a period of a month, I was viewing hate and saying hateful things to my family, to people that were closest to me and just being this, I felt like the devil took over my body. And one day, you know, saying things to my parents and like, I hate you. And why aren't you dead? I mean, just awful things. And I didn't understand what was happening and they yeah. didn't understand what was happening. And one day, one night I had gotten into an argument my son, he was 16 at the time. He was at his father's and I FaceTimed him. And this is the moment in my life that I will never forget. And it's emotional to talk about, but Mm. I FaceTimed him while he was at his dad's. And I was so in the middle of my rage that I said to him on FaceTime, I'm going to be packing your room up. So I started packing up books and boxes and you could go live with your dad in the middle of this rage that I had. The very next day while I was at work, his dad and he came to my house unbeknownst to me and removed 90% of his room and he moved to his father's house and he never came back to my home again to live. And no one in my family knew that I, that this was what was happening to me that, Hey, you know what? Maybe Nisha's not okay, but no, Nisha is crazy. crazy. That's why I love the name of your podcast. So, you know, my, my ex-husband didn't have the tools. He didn't have the emotional depth to understand this could be a mental health issue, Sure. but instead called me crazy, convinced my family that I was crazy. And the only way I got help is because I wanted the help because I knew that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. This is not who I am. This is like something took over my being and I need help. And so I sought help from that day forward. But I went to a psychiatrist. I set off on a God finding journey. Like, oh my God, this is rock bottom for me. Okay. And I struggled because, you know, it took years to repair my relationship with my son, who is my entire world. And he's 22 now, but I don't know that he'll understand fully what happened because all he could hear at 16 was my mom doesn't want me. She's rejecting me. My mom kicked me out of the house. 
and no one, I didn't have anyone to support. I didn't have anyone to help support that. That's the thing, especially with anger. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. It's so tender and I can feel that. And I feel the regret. It brings me to tears usually when I talk about it, but I was like, I'm not going to cry about it. (laughs) No, it's okay. Because I, that's the thing is that I, and you use the word regret and I hope that you can get to a point where you can, you know, overlay some compassion on that, that so much about anger is about pain, Yes, but people don't know. We have, we have such an interesting relationship with anger in our society. And people don't know how to react to it, how to respond to it. And so it sounds like, and you're part of the culture is not talking about emotions. Well, and in in the Indian culture, it's a negative stigma, like, right. Mental health and depression, like, oh no, like, you know, I grew up in a family that didn't believe in therapy. Like we don't believe in therapy. That's just. Sure. Right. So you were, you were very othered because, oh my gosh, she's going off the rails. Like we don't have anything to do with this. So I think it's incredibly brave that somehow you were able to find this, uh, you know, this willingness to seek help. And I've heard it said before, and I do believe that, you know, because we call it mental breakdowns and this is somewhat cheesy, but really understanding it as a breakthrough, I think that's powerful because it seems like that was such a turning point where you found that permission to heal all the things or start yeah, the and, healing and journey. Yes. It was my rock bottom in that way. And Fortunately for me in my life, instead of seeking, you know, when I was spiraling in different points of my life, like depression spiraling, Mm -hmm. I would seek a positive way out instead of a negative. So I never, you know, ran to addictions or things like that. My first real understanding of depression came when I had postpartum depression. And again, no one in my family understood what was happening to me or could identify what was happening. It was like, this was 1999, 2000. And it wasn't until Brooke Shields' book came out, Down Came the Rain, which was like 2005, where it's like postpartum depression. Mm -hmm emerged and it was like, oh, and again, I was labeled as crazy, (laughs) you know, by my ex-husband or we, you know, she's gone off the deep end or whatever, but I had those feelings. I now when I'm looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I, that's what I had. I had postpartum depression and no one ever diagnosed it. My OB diagnosed it a year later, but you know, again, I didn't have the support system. I didn't have the love that I needed to work through it. Like I had to get through it myself. The loneliness. I must've felt so lonely. So in essence, it deteriorated. It was the start of deteriorating my marriage, but it also made me realize like, damn, if I can work Mm. through that, I can work through anything. Can I ask what your relationship is with your parents now? With my parents now, amazing. And after I did the work and I did the healing, I realized, you know what? I got to meet my parents where they are. They know the best they know. They've done the best that they could. This is who they are. And once I realized and forgave my mom and my dad and myself for whatever it was I held all these years onto was when my relationship with them healed. And I looked, they did the best they could do. You know, our parents do the best they could do in each generation. They do the best they can do. What about the conversations with your son still? Are you able to use language that you weren't given as a kid and emotional language? And I try. He's ownership. It, yeah. He takes a lot after his father and he's not very emotionally. Mm-hmm. He's a very sensitive and emotional being, but he's a man of few words. Mm-hmm. So you know, I spent the last six years of my life, I would write him letters and cards and emails and try to talk to him and explain to him like everything that's happened. And our relationship just this past year, you know, has started to really change now that he's an adult and he's out in the real world and he's starting Mm -hmm. to see, Mm -hmm. you know, reality. And he wrote me a birthday card this past May, the first birthday card I've gotten from him. And Mm -hmm. since 
he left my home. And so we're healing. It's going to be a long journey, but we're healing. Yeah. You feel hopeful. Yes. Are you proud of yourself? Kind of when you reflect on any of this, are you, you've talked about forgiveness of your parents. And I think I'm wondering about forgiveness of self. And if you find any pride in kind of this rising. No, because I, I was always raised to be like super humble and, and have humility. I think I'm proud of myself in overcoming a lot of things, but you know, I felt initially a lot of shame, a lot of regret, a lot of the negative feelings. And I had to really work through and be like, and work on forgiveness of myself. I have forgiven myself. Yes. Am I proud of, you know, overcoming? Yeah, I think so. But it's not like the first place I go to in my head, but because it took me years to forgive myself. Like I probably literally just forgave myself a year ago or something like, you know, like it took years. Yeah. One other thing that kind of jumps out and in, in, uh, I think a lot of us do this. I asked you if you're proud and we go to this place of, I have to be humble. It's almost like those things can't <laughs> coexist. Yeah, yeah. And especially as women, I think we hold on to this idea that claiming things, being proud, taking ownership, it feels arrogant or something. So I just, that just jumped out to me too. Like, no, I, it's okay to claim and, and be proud. It doesn't mean we're not humble. And, so. and that is something I work on too, because, you know, I want to talk about my accomplishments. Why not? And I wanted to talk about the things I've overcome. Why not? Yes. So when, with this mission of maybe having more speaking opportunities and putting your message out there in the world more going forward, what is the essence of that message? I mean, what is it that you want people to hear? Cause I think it's this interesting juxtaposition. You're a numbers person, which is very heady and analytical. <laughs> and then we're talking about this very human, emotional embodiment of things experience, right? So what is the essence of, of your message? Well, I think I'm displaced as an accountant. (laughs) My parents wouldn't let me go into what I wanted to, which was um, design, fashion design. Okay. But I want to, you know, I don't want to be like just another motivational speaker or use the buzzwords empower, but I want people to realize that they can take the power back from Mm. whatever or whomever they have given it to and that they can really own the power to make the life that they want Mm -hmm. for themselves. Ultimately, that is what I want people to hear when Mm -hmm. I share my talks, my stories, whatever, and Mm -hmm. that you cannot be defined by a human or a circumstance. There's, if you believe in God or whatever's out there, like your purpose on this earth is to be met, to be walked. And there's nothing or no one that can stop you. Because buzzwords are okay when they carry the, the depth and the authenticity that you bring to it. Sure. And I, and I feel that in this, in your story and in your sharing it, that it's, we don't realize how often we give our power away to other circumstances or other people. So I like that, that we can find ways to get that choice back. Yeah. And that it's okay that if you've made a choice, it's okay to change your mind. Like, That's right. you know, if you married the wrong person or you are in a job that you chose or a profession that you chose, and then you mm-hmm. decide like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yep. Like, it's okay Yes, to yes. leave it, to make a change. That's right. Holding loosely to things like we've talked about from labels to identities, not over attaching to any of it is really important so that you can pivot and be flexible. So it's interesting to me that you say, you know, you would have gone into fashion design because I know just from looking at your Instagram and stuff that you do at least get to sort of make that a hobby, right? And yeah, and express oh, yeah. yourself in that way. And yeah. Yep. And I um it's funny, I I, I laugh because most of my friends are creatives and, mm-hmm. and they're business owners and creatives. I stalk mm-hmm. people's Instagrams of people that 
Yes. <laughs> like, you know, all the, all the stylists and all the designers and all the artists in town, like uh-huh. I end up like being their friend because I stalk them and I'm like, Hey, I want to be your friend. Yes. I love it. You go after it, girl. You go after it. <laughs> and so that is how I fulfill yes. that whole like creative part of my brain is by Good. being around people who are creative and supporting Good. them. And so that's how I satisfy that. Good. And being a business owner is creative in and of itself. I just have to acknowledge that for both. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. So speaking of buzzwords, self-care, super watered down buzzword, and yet incredibly (laughs) important. So what does that mean to you? What do you do, especially as you are very aware of your journey and your healing and all of that. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny is I've always been doing self-care and I didn't realize it. You know, I always thought it was selfish and now I'm like, yes, I have permission to take care of myself. Yes. Um, <laughs> for me, it really, what brings me joy in the moment? So do I want to go to the gym? Do I want to read a book? Do I want to watch Netflix? Do I want to go aimlessly wander around the mall? Do I want uh-huh. to get a pedicure? It's anything that makes me feel, fill my cup back up. In that moment of whatever it is I'm feeling, you know? And so I'm constantly giving myself self-care. Awesome. And unlearning the selfish narrative around it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, What about therapy? (laughs) I just mentioned before we went on air, I was like, I think I need to go back to a therapist. Do you have any openings? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, let me press record. But, but why? Because I think that's what sometimes I get that question all the time. How do I know it's time to go to therapy? So what's the stirring for you that, that, that makes you feel pulled to that? So that's a good question. It's been a while. It's been since I hardcore went, I call it the episode. So Mm -hmm. after my episode, probably a good year or two, Mm -hmm. and then it kind of fell off. And mainly because I felt like there wasn't a good fit with whomever I was with. And I just never sought it out again. But lately I've been feeling like, I think I need to check in because I'm having some negative feelings or thoughts around X, Y, Z in my life, or this keeps coming back up in my life. So I think I need to process and work through it. That's great. So so that was sort of like the buzz of like, I think I need therapist again. That's great. I think that's, that's so helpful because you know, my answer, my short answer is always just there's never a wrong time. So, but (laughs) I love that you're open to receiving that, that, you know, it's an option and then you know that it's been helpful before it can be helpful again. And there's something that doesn't align with who, you know, you can be or what your best self looks like. And so you'd like to figure out that dissonance. That's what I hear in that. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And sort of get my thoughts like in alignment with, you know, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. I, I want somebody who mm-hmm. is, you know, who has the structure and the framework and who is a objective third party that can help me process through all of that. Yep. Okay. Well, we'll toss around some ideas off air. (laughs) (laughs) Any go-to mentors, words of wisdom, things that you, people that you turn to when you, you know, outside of therapy, but just. Yeah. I don't know that I necessarily have a person or a thing. I, I love to follow people who have like overcome so much. And I know this is like cliche, but like an Oprah or, you know, I watched Adele's amazing Mm. Oprah episode and I thought, oh my God, I can relate to her so much. So it's just following people who I feel have overcome things in their own journey and are willing to share it in the world. And it's like, you know, finding the relatability there, but yeah. People People who show their humanness, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. And then you realize like, wow, we all have, we're all similar. Yes. And so why is there such a stigma, right? That's the, that's the mission sister. And also that mental health is real. Like, you know, I had to convince um, my son's father, like mental health is real. (laughs) It is real. So if you don't get on the bandwagon, you're going to realize that a lot of things 
unfortunate things that happen in the world, or even for yourself one day, you might realize you're hitting depression or, you know, it is a very real thing. And the more that people grasp it and try to create support around it, you know, the better off we would be, I I think. Agree. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for your vulnerability and for um, chatting with us. I I know that it's going to be helpful for other people to hear that too. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you. This has been amazing to talk and, and therapeutic. And I just want people to know that like, don't beat yourself up. You know, don't beat yourself up. You're doing the best that you can do. Giving Mm -hmm. ourselves self-compassion. Yeah. Ooh, Nisha, I love it. We could go on for hours. (laughs) <laughs> Let me mark our time here. Like, this is what's so hard. I'm trying to have shorter episodes because people's attention spans are just yes, what they are. minutes or less are good. I know, but then it's like, and then it's this line for me of this isn't therapy. Don't ask her that. Like, you know, like <laughs> I want to go here that takes us here like deep, you know, and it's like, I got to stay. It's hard. It's a hard balance, but I'm so grateful. Tell me more about your podcast. So I, it's funny. I'm, I'm going to hopefully relaunch and rebrand it soon. It's called piece of the pie. And I originally started it interview viewing like entrepreneurs in Charlotte who I thought were successful and having them take us through their journey of mistakes they might have made. Why? What's their why? Yeah. You know, why did they create this business and just kind of have real talk with it? Oh. And it was it's, it was a hobby, but I think I want to take it to the next level in 2022. I love that. I love yeah, that because it, it, that's why I've, um, you know, admired y'all's little girl squad, you know, How's the girl squad of, yeah. yeah. Of cause it's, it's a entrepreneurship is such a lonely space. Very lonely. And, Very lonely. The, and people don't get it. And I, um, it happened so quickly for me too, that I just find like, I mean, the frustration is just, it's that's, I talk about that a lot in therapy, you know, cause the people now that work for me, you know, with me really don't understand it. <laughs> And they won't, and your team will understand it, your spouse, your partner, if you have one, your dog, uh-huh. no one, they're not going to understand it. Right. That the constant, so, there's just constant decision-making and constant ideas and risk-taking. Well, and it's interesting because it's interesting to say that my friend group, since owning a business of 10 years, has gravitated towards business owners. That doesn't mean like, yeah, you're not one, I don't relate to you anymore. It just right. means that. It's a Who different... am I wanting to spend my time with mostly and mostly it is a fellow business owner. Yeah. I need more of that. I told Melissa, I'm like, invite me to something like just, I don't need to be like fully in, but I need, <laughs> come on in girl. If we, we will can take have, you. if we can have a round table, it's every now and then like, <laughs> yeah. Cause it's so isolating. And then kind of going back to what we were saying earlier about women and like owning it. Like I feel self-conscious about putting out that like girl boss thing you know, but yeah. I am super proud of what I've built. It's fucked yeah. up. Cause I'm just like, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to walk that line. Uh-oh. Well, I mean, we see Sarah Bake- Blakely do it. Blakely, am I saying that right? Of Spain. And I'm like, yes, we need more of us to yes. cheer us on Yes. for our accomplishments. And we need to put our accomplishments out there to be an example for other women watching us and coming up in the world. I think that's right. And that's why that's cool that your podcast can give the space for that. Cause I don't necessarily think like my Instagram is the place for that. Cause it's more client-based, you know? So I don't sure. want to be bragging about like, thank you for giving me your money and your business or something, you know, like it's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you could talk about how many people you're helping and yeah. what kinds, of, you know, I, I definitely yeah. think there's room for that there. Like how many people you're helping, like what some of the, it's confidential, but like some of yep. the yep. issues, the issues yeah. people and, and, you know, definitely, you know, because yeah. you're doing that. Yeah. Okay, girlfriend. So I will get this going. I gotta, it's sort of like you, like I have this vision. I just sort of need to execute and relaunch. So it might be like maybe two weeks. All good, my friend. Just happy to be able to talk to you today and honored. And thank you for listening and yeah. sharing. 
So who you calling crazy? I think you mean human. We're removing the stigma, y'all. Say it loud and proud. Yep, I go to therapy. 